And what an encouraging message there in song that's taken from Psalm 19. And uh, sometimes just being in church and singing together, those songs were such an encouragement this morning. Thank you, Brother Luke, and uh, thank you, Miss Laura and Miss Eileen, for that message in song. And uh, that encourages, encourages us so much. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, if you would turn there in your Bible. While you're turning there, I'm going to have a piece of chocolate here, and uh, <laughs> we'll put that away, hide it uh, here for a second. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and you find your place. Let's stand as we read together the Word of God this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I want to pick up in the middle of the chapter. You're familiar with this passage of Scripture. You've heard it quoted uh, multitudes of times. I preached out of this passage on many occasions through the years. Uh, but uh, this past week, this passage just continued uh, to go through my heart and mind. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. Isn't it a blessing when God hears your prayer? He said, I've heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now often we, we stop at that point, but I want to continue the next couple of verses because this is very crucial. God says, now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Now, when we dedicated this building several years ago, a few years back, uh, we used uh, this passage of scripture and uh, dedicating this building unto the Lord and a house of prayer, a place of God's presence, a place where God would dwell. And uh, this was the dedication of the temple uh, there in Jerusalem. Now we're going to, to just preach a message we've called this morning, Wilt Thou Not Revive Us Again? I think it's never before uh, we need the touch of God. We need a supernatural work of God. For the events that appear to be before us uh, in the future. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, we'll ask His help and guidance. If you'll pray this morning for your own heart and let's pray that God's way will be done in this place today. Father, we thank you this morning. You've been so good to us already. Our hearts have been encouraged in song. And Lord, we uh, today look unto you. We need you. We want to exalt you. We want you to be honored and glorified today. Lord, help us to humble ourselves, to die to ourselves, and allow you today to have preeminence in this service. Uh, Lord, we pray, uh, oh, what a need there is for this church, what a need there is for our homes and families, what a need there is for the United States of America. And I pray, God, that you would bring uh, revival to our hearts, that you would challenge us today. Uh, God, give us faith. We, we sang faith is the victory. And Lord, help us to have the faith to believe you for great things, to call unto you, and uh, knowing that you'll answer and give great and mighty things which we cannot even comprehend or understand. Uh, we pray all of this in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. 
Amen. And you may be seated this morning. As I mentioned uh, just uh, a moment ago, through the years I preached out of uh, uh, this particular passage of Scripture a multitude of times. Uh, I, I've used this passage just uh, giving Valley Bible Baptist Church a challenge uh, toward revival. Uh, my heart is, has been stirred, and this week all I, all I could think about was the need uh, for a supernatural work and movement of God. And, and through the years, I, I've loved one of my favorite uh, reading uh, I guess pastimes is to read the history of revival. I love to read missionary biographies and, and see how God has used men and women uh, through the ages, but I love to read of revival. I love to read of God's moving, the moving of God's spirit to working miracles. Uh, I read just recently, reading American history, uh, reading of the Puritans and the pilgrims as they, as they came to America, and they came seeking God, and I think that's one of the reasons God has so blessed the United States of America. Uh, I read of the first great awakening, the early 1700s, uh, men like Jonathan Edwards and, and George Whitfield, who preached the gospel uh, with great courage and great power. I think the greatest revival America has known is one that has not so much uh, been portrayed or put on the front pages, but it was a revival of, uh, of church planting and took place at Sandy Creek Baptist under the preaching and the ministry of Shubal Stearns. And in Sandy Creek, North Carolina, uh, there was a church that God uh, placed into that church uh, many men called into the ministry and that church trained those men and then sent those men out to plant churches and through their ministries other churches were planted and literally across the south of the United States of America thousands of churches were planted uh, became known as what we call today the Bible Belt and it was the result of a great church planting revival I think the greatest revival in American history as you know, the history of America, uh, really our Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, uh, were all founded upon this biblical movement, this movement of multitudes of conversions and a Bible-based uh, uh, country that men came seeking God. And that became the foundation of our nation and the reason for so many blessings. Uh, in the 1850s, there were prayer meetings that popped up all across the United States of America, the eastern uh, shores of the United States. Uh, thousands converted to Christ during the years 1858 to 1859. At the height of that movement, it was said that as many as 50,000 people per week we're coming to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm reading today that during this COVID uh, of a major movement of God in Iran, and it is stated that as many as 3,000 people per week are coming to know Jesus Christ in, in Iran right now and turning from the Muslim faith and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And so God is still working. Uh, 1858 to 1859, a major movement of God in Wales. The 1900s, early 1900s, uh, saw God at work in Wales and China and India, Scotland. Uh, the 1950s, there were parts of Africa, Rwanda, uh, the Hebrides Islands. Uh, major workings of God where there were thousands of converts. Now, I'm saying all of that because I long for a movement of God. I long for revival. And I think events of our past months really highlighting the great need. And my heart cries out with the psalmist, Psalm 85, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. 
I'm thoroughly convinced the need has never been greater than the hour in which we are, are presently uh, traveling through time in the United States of America. Uh, I'm, I'm just believing and seeing, I think we're seeing very soon the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm seeing things that I never dreamed I would see in my life. I, I remember uh, back in high school, I did not think I would make it through high school before Jesus returned. And then I thought I would never make it through college uh, before the Lord returned. And then I thought I would never be married before the Lord returned. And now 36 years later, I'm still expecting the Lord's return. But I'm seeing things and events today happening that I've never dreamed of taking place. And I, I'm really believing. And on Friday, I dealt with some things in our morning devotional time. But I'm, I'm just seeing some things and a spirit of deception that is coming across this nation and across this world that to me indicating the spirit of Antichrist that's very strongly at work. Our nation needs revival. Our nation needs an awakening. And I'm just being blunt this morning, apart from the mighty movement of God, I see no hope for America. You see, I I believe that the Lord is the answer. He's the only answer this morning. America, as we mentioned, was founded upon biblical principles. Our nation was born out of revival. Uh, But we have followed the path of Romans chapter 1, which says, Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And that's that spirit of deception, that's that spirit of darkness that comes when you reject the light. And three times in Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that God gave them up. He gave them up to uncleanness. Now, haven't we seen that across America today? He gave them up to vile affections. He gave them up to a, a reprobate mind. And that's the path when one rejects the Lord Jesus Christ and the principles of God. And the only hope to amend that is a supernatural work of God. I think it's evident that America is being given over to this spirit of deception and a battle today is being waged for the heart and the soul of this nation. And We're seeing that battle in the political realm. We see that battle in the moral realm. We see that battle in the realm of the family, the traditional home. We see that battle in the local churches across America today. And without revival, the principle of God's word is the judgment would follow. Our church, Valley Bible Baptists, we need revival. You see, the lockdown has been difficult on many spiritually. Uh, I'm thankful that we have internet and I'm thankful that we have people today that are watching uh, from home and, and online today. I'm grateful for that. But the church, as we mentioned, by its definition, is an assembly, ecclesia, a gathering together. Uh, The definition biblically of a church is is a group of of like-minded people that have been baptized and they've organized and constituted together to fulfill uh, the Great Commission. It's an assembly. And so so easy through this time to lose the good habits of faithful church attendance, uh, faithful serving the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, giving uh, faithfully and witnessing, uh, testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And so we need revival. We need revival to meet the needs of these last days. And so Valley Bible Baptists, we need revival. And here was my heart cry this week as an individual, as families. We need revival. 
See, only as we are in tune with God can our homes and our families and our marriages be all that God wants us to be. And I'm just asking you this morning, uh, is your heart, has it grown cold? Uh, do you love the Lord uh, now more than you've ever loved the Lord? Is, is there a fire in your heart? And friend, if, if, as never before, there ought to be a, a fire in the heart of God's people. And, and we ought to be looking today and, and seeing that so very soon we may see Jesus Christ and we may see Him face to face. And uh, that ought to challenge our heart. That ought to fire us up. Uh, here to serve Jesus Christ. Uh, but I'm seeing that multitudes are cold and indifferent to what God is doing. Does your heart long for revival? I want to delve into the scripture this morning and uh, look at, at some thoughts here. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And first of all, we, we see the problem. Uh, this problem shows the great need of revival. You notice here the context. Look with me, verse 12, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, we have the context that's the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. As you read in, in the previous chapters, uh, Solomon had just completed the building of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, history tells us uh, a beautiful, beautiful building, gold and silver. is one of the seven wonders of the world. It was magnificent in all of its splendor. It would sparkle in the sun. Just a beautiful, magnificent building. Those of you that will be traveling to Israel, uh, you are going to see there on that temple mount uh, not one stone left upon another. That, uh, that temple, uh, in all of its splendor, all of its glory was cast down because of the sin of God's people, but this time the dedication of this, uh, uh, this temple. And so Solomon has completed the building. He's, he's assembled together uh, the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes unto Jerusalem. They've dedicated this building to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pick up here 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 1. And it reads, Now when Solomon made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the house. We mentioned that this was a magnificent building, but the splendor of the gold and silver of that building could not match the glory and the splendor of the very presence of God that came into that building. And we call this the Shekinah glory of God. The Bible tells us the presence of God was so thick in that building that the priest could not enter that building because of that power, that presence of Jesus in that building. So they've dedicated this building to the Lord. Uh, God placed his approval upon that temple. And then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night in answer to this prayer of dedication. And that's where we pick up in this context at verse number 12 as the Lord appeared to Solomon. Now notice the, the conduct that shows the need here. This is the problem. Verse 13. And when God appeared to Solomon, God said in verse 13, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people call by my name. This would take us back to the charge that Moses gave to Israel before they entered the promised land. I want you to keep your place in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I want you to turn back in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. 
several passages of Scripture. Deuteronomy, we'll start in chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Here is as the Lord is about to lead this nation into the promised land. Moses gives them this charge in chapter 8 verse number 1. Moses said, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. He says in verse 7, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee unto a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. In verse number 11, Beware, God said to his children, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command thee this day. And then we skip to verse number 19. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. And the nations, or as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall you perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Again, as the children of Israel are charged before entering the promised land. In verse number 10, Deuteronomy 11. God said for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The, Lord, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. But notice verse 13. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul, that I will give you the rain in your land in His due season, the first rain, the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. I will send grass in thy fields. And God here promises His blessings for their obedience. I want you to go to chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 28. And uh, really, I, I, we don't have time this morning, but I would challenge you to read through Deuteronomy 28. and You can kind of compare what's happening in the United States of America uh, to what happened to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 28. Notice in verse number 1, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. And then God gives the blessings that would come from obedience to him and his word. Notice in verse 15, however, but it shall come to pass. If thou wilt not hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all of his commandments, his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Uh, here God then in these curses mentions there would be debt, there would be famine, there would be pestilence, diseases, there would be locusts that would devour the crops. And uh, these blessings were conditional. God wanted to bless His people, but the blessings were conditional. They were conditional upon their obedience to God. And as you study the history of Israel, the history of Israel reveals this truth of God's Word. When they were in obedience to God, the hand of God was upon their land and upon their nation. There were blessings, but when they turned from God to idols, God brought judgment upon the land. 
Then God would raise up prophets, uh, the weeping prophet Jeremiah, who would warn the people, you have turned from the living God, you've turned to serve idols, you've turned to broken cisterns that can hold no water, and therefore God is going to bring judgment. And we've recently preached through the book of Daniel, and, and that was the result of, of Israel rejecting the things of God, being taken captive by Babylon, and uh, Daniel spending his years of his life in Babylon because of the sin of the children of Israel. And I say all of that because the history of the United States of America closely parallels the history of Israel. I believe that the United States has been a chosen nation. As we mentioned, it was founded upon biblical principles. Our history is rich in the heritage of uh, those that came seeking the Lord, dependent upon God. I would challenge you at some point to, uh, to travel to Washington, D.C. And, and examine the, the national monuments. And you'll be amazed at the, at the scripture verses all across this land. And, and you'll be amazed at the heritage and the men, the founders of this nation who had trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in the Lord. And, and by the way, let me just express that the tearing down of these national monuments is the tearing down of this history. And it's a movement away from this biblical Christian foundation upon which our nation was grounded and founded. And so our history is rich. No other nation has had more preachers per capita than the United States of America. At one time it was stated that 95% of the world's gospel preachers preached right here in America to 5% of the world's population. No other nation in history has sent across the, the seas more missionaries than the United States of America. No other nation has invested more money to the spreading of the gospel than the United States of America. Uh, God's blessings have been upon this land. No other nation has given more to the needy than the United States of America. God has been good to America. But like Israel, God's blessings have led to pride, to self-indulgence, to indifference, and to idolatry. And like Israel, the hand of God is gradually being removed from this nation. And I think the turmoil that we see across the land today has been the result of a gradual removal of the hand of God and a spirit of deception permeating the land and wicked men and wicked women with wicked intentions are prominently positioned today and Satan infiltrating our schools, our colleges, our state capitals, our court systems and on and on we could go and the result has been confusion, division, debt, pestilence and on uh, we could examine as a result of rebellion, as a result of a rejection of God. And our nation is now guided by so-called experts working to undermine our very foundations. And the nation as a whole follows, I believe prompted by an agenda, mainstream media, an agenda that is destroying and undermining the very foundations that God has anchored us in. It's the problem and a strong need of revival should not surprise us. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Notice here the people of revival. This is so crucial. This continued to go through my mind this week. In verse 14, God said, If 
my people, if my people, which are called by my name. Now, God has a special relationship with his people. Uh, my people called by my name. Now, we go to the book of Deuteronomy again. Uh, we'll not do that for the sake of time, but in chapter 7, God said to the nation of Israel that he chose them to be a peculiar people, that he chose them not because they were more in number than any other people, but he chose them because he loved them. And he chose them to reveal himself to the rest of the world. And, and God would use and desire to use Israel to give the world the Messiah. And so the Lord God entered into covenant with the nation of Israel. He redeemed them from the land of Egypt and he would be their God and they would be his people. I see an application this morning to those that are saved, to those that are born again. And let me express, it's not being a, a Christian in name. I, I called myself a Christian before I was born again. I'd been baptized before I was born again, but if I would have died, I would have split hell wide open. I had to come to this place of receiving personally, not religion, but a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here God speaks, there's an application to those that are saved, bought by the blood of Jesus. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, God said, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him that had called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And if you're saved this morning, if you're bought by the blood of Jesus, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You don't belong to you. You belong to the Lord. He lives and dwells in your heart. And friend, if you're saved this morning, uh, you can never get away from that. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're saved this morning, you'll be miserable outside the will of God. You cannot enjoy life apart from being in the will of God for your life this morning. And so here he speaks and the application is to those that are saved. Jesus made it clear, if you're saved this morning, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Uh, do you realize if God's people, if Christians, when the rapture takes place, were removed from America, can you imagine where this nation would be without Christians? So if you're saved, you're salt, you're light. And the key to revival this morning, my people, called by my name. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you found yourself frustrated with the lack of common sense that we're seeing around us? Okay. How, how many of you get frustrated by the deceptions of the media? You get frustrated with it? How many of you are uh, frustrated by the trust in the so-called experts that if you look at their expert advice, their expert advice led to problems, and now we still follow the expert advice. Uh, wickedness and blatant lies uh, of many. Uh, but God told us in His Word, lost people will behave like lost people. Why? They're lost. They don't know Christ. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't know or understand the word of God. Revival does not come from those who we elect. Though, listen to me, we ought to vote and we ought to vote biblically. But that's not where revival is going to come from. We are registering to vote this morning because I believe you ought to register and I believe you ought to vote and I believe you ought to vote biblically. But listen, if that's what we're dependent upon to bring revival, it's never going to come. Uh, revival is not going to be through the laws that we pass or through Congress or through uh, the news media. No, 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 it won't be through that or through the courts across America. Revival is going to begin with the people of God. 
in their hearts. You see, when God's people get right with God, everything else will fall into place. That's where it starts. Sometimes God gives us what we deserve because we haven't been right with Him. God has in the past given to this nation godly leaders and godly laws and godly purposes, but it came when God's people experienced great revival. The people of God, the people of revival. It's God's people. Now this becomes very crucial. I want you to look again, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. The path of revival. There's a path that God sets forth. I'm thoroughly convinced that any nation, any church, any family, any individual that will follow this path can know the great blessings of God. You'll notice here it's first of all a path of humility. He says in verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. This is where it must begin. Do you realize before I could get saved... I had to humble myself. I was filled with pride. I did not want to be saved because I had been baptized, and that was sure going to be very humbling to admit that I was not saved when I was baptized. And so I had to humble myself and admit that I was lost, admit that I needed the Lord, admit that my good works could not save me, admit that my religion could not save me, admit that my church could not save me. I had to come to the point where I realized it was Jesus and Jesus alone. And uh, he said that it is finished and there was no more that I could add to it. There were no good works that I could add to what he had already accomplished. And I began to realize if I could ever be good enough to go to heaven, there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and shed his blood upon the cross but I could not be good enough for heaven I had to come to Jesus I had to humble myself that's where it must begin God's people must be willing to get down into the dust before a holy God if we're to see the working of God the word of God is very clear upon this let me read to you several verses James chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith God resisted the proud but giveth grace to the humble Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. James 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You can have revival. And this church can have revival, but it must begin with the path of humility. Uh, David expressed it this way, Psalm 51 verse 17. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. And if anybody needed revival, it was David. David was a saved man, but he had fallen into sin. He lost the joy of his salvation, lost the sense of the presence of God. And he, he cried out unto the Lord, Revive me, O Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And, and David admitted he had lost the joy of his salvation and asked the Lord to restore, not his salvation, that's impossible, it's secure, but to restore the joy of that salvation. 
And he said the sacrifices of God are that broken spirit. You see this principle throughout the Word of God. There was the Pharisee, the publican. They came to the temple. Uh, the Pharisee prayed thus with himself. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like this publican. He said, I go to church, I tithe, I do all of these things. I'm a pretty good person. God, aren't you pleased with me? But the publican would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. And this publican cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's where it begins, the path of humility. Let's look at verse 14. It's the path of prayer. In verse 14, if my people called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Thoroughly convinced the sin of prayerlessness is one of the great sins of God's people. You have not because you ask not. And you really look at it, every failure in the Christian life is a failure of prayer. We lack God's power because we've not prayed. The church at Jerusalem was constantly praying and seeking the power and face of God and miraculous answers to prayer. Uh, we fail to see souls saved because we don't pour out our hearts and travail in prayer. Uh, we lose our families and our children because of a lack of prayer. We live defeated Christian lives without direction, overcome by sin because of a lack of prayer. And yet the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Bible says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And, and he fervently prayed that it would not rain and it rained not for the space of three and a half years. And then he fervently prayed for rain and God sent the rain. So on advertisement, this shows us right where we're at. Advertisement, man and science will solve this coronavirus problem. Man and science. Ultimately, man and science will lead us to the mark of the beast. And ultimately, man and science will lead us to an antichrist. And ultimately, man and science will lead us to total failure. God's people praying makes the difference. And it's God's people getting a hold of the throne of God. And God is real. Man is a sinful being. And science leads us down a path of evolution. That is a false lie and deception. And it's God that we must need. It's God that we must seek. See, a glimmer of revival, may God give that to us before the rapture, before He calls us up to be with Him. When God's people pray fervently, God moves, God saves, God delivers, God glorifies Himself. Our lives and homes and churches are changed because of the power of prayer. It's God's people get a hold of the throne of God. It's a path of prayer. Notice in verse 14, it's a path of fellowship. He says, and seek my face. I like this. Revival this morning is in Jesus. Now, I mentioned the importance of verses 15 and 16 of 2 Chronicles 7. Read them with me. Uh, as this temple was dedicated... The Lord said, now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. He's speaking of the temple. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. So you understand the temple, it was a type of none other but the Lord Jesus Christ. 
As this temple was dedicated to the Lord, God is giving us a beautiful picture of the Lord. Do you remember Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, that he went into his room and he opened his window toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day. He was praying toward the temple. He's giving us a picture of coming in prayer unto the Lord. See, we come to God in the name of Jesus through the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen this morning, there is not a problem that you face, but what Jesus cannot solve it. Are you empty this morning? Cold and indifferent? Seek Jesus. Are you discouraged, depressed? Seek my face, Jesus said, and His presence will bring joy into your life. Are you confused? Do you need answers? Do you need direction? You see, sometimes we just go through life and we spin wheels. And and really, the only direction you ultimately need is to seek the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is the shepherd. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, Are you overcome by sin this morning, by temptation? Seek the precious power of Jesus that can wash and cleanse from sin, that can give victory over temptation. Are you powerless? this morning he is the source of power are you lost today salvation is in him he's a revival seek him may we hunger and thirst after Jesus after righteousness may we reject today cold dead religion and seek to walk in fellowship with Jesus may we be like Enoch who walked with God in a wicked world Enoch, who in the midst of wickedness had a relationship with God, I think so much that he pictured the rapture for us and God just took him on home. Uh, May we be like Paul, uh, who prayed in Philippians 3, verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, it's Jesus this morning that we need. Not the riches, Not the pleasures, the power of this world, the relationships this world can offer to us. They can never replace Jesus Christ. Here's what we need. We need to fall in love with Jesus. Just to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Paul, to know Jesus in all of his fullness. That that we may walk with him and and talk with him. See, that's the kind of religion that's contagious. It's, It's real. That's what the world needs today. That's a virus, by the way, that's worth spreading. It's, it's worth getting a hold of the throne of God, the path of fellowship. And then there's this path of repentance. This is where the pedal hits the metal. Look in verse 14 again. If my people call by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, that's Repentance. Remember God speaking to His people. He's not speaking to the lawmakers, to the musicians, to the sports stars or movie stars. He's not speaking to the abortion crowd. He's speaking, my people called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Here's the problem. God's people today are in bondage to sin. Many of God's people are out of fellowship with Him. Many of God's people are in need of genuine repentance. I'd ask the question this morning, Are we willing to pay the price for revival? Are you willing? Are you willing to have the touch of God upon your life? Are you willing to have God's power? Are you willing for God's Spirit to search you? Are you willing to allow God to break us? 
Are we willing to admit our cold and different religion? Are we willing to admit to God this need? Revelation 2, uh, a church of Ephesus left their first love and Jesus tells them to repent. Revelation 3, the church of Laodicea uh, was cold and lukewarm and different uh, to the things of God and the Lord told them to repent. Are we willing for us to know revival? Uh, our disobedience, our unfaithfulness, our lack of faithfulness to tithing, to church, to giving, to witnessing, to prayer, to the Bible. Uh, the unforgiveness in the depths of our heart, the bitterness of our heart, the unwillingness to right those wrongs, the unwillingness at whatever cost to be right with God, to be right with people. Uh, so many of God's people trapped in bondages of lust and pornography and only God can deliver. Anyone, anyone can have revival if you're willing to follow this path. It's the path of humility. It's the path of prayer, fervent prayer. It's the path of fellowship, seeking the face of Jesus. It's the path of repentance, making right any wrongs. Now, let's get to the good part. Look at the latter part of verse 14. Here's the promise of revival. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. God said, I will hear. Do you ever feel like your prayer never rose above the ceiling? We desperately need some people that can get their prayers answered. Otherwise, our nation is gone. Our children and grandchildren will not know the freedoms and the liberties that we have known. Otherwise, our children, grandchildren, neighbors, friends will be lost and facing the coming tribulation, the horrors of the Antichrist, the horrors of deception. And otherwise, apart from revival and God's people getting a hold of the Lord, our church will lose its power and its ministry. God said, I will hear. He said in verse 14, and will forgive their sin. I will forgive. How precious is forgiveness. How precious to be forgiven by God. I think of the beautiful story of Delia, beautiful young lady. She got away from her family, got away from foundations. She began to follow a path of sin and led to drugs, led to prostitution, and soon led to prison. But while Delia was in prison, she came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she would give testimony, the Lord forgave my sin. The Lord blotted it out as, as a thick cloud. He, he put it behind me and she was so excited because she had found the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ that she went everywhere telling her friends and relatives about the Lord. Now, she experienced some of the consequences of that life of rebellion. And her health was very poor. She died at an early age, but she had been such a testimony and witness for Christ that at Delia's funeral, hundreds of people came to hear this testimony of this beautiful young lady that had dedicated her life to Jesus and experienced the forgiveness of God. Uh, we don't have time, but 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through chapter 2, verse number 2, where the Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's our lawyer. He forgives that sin. Now be of good cheer, we'll preach, and tonight thy sins are forgiven thee. Look in verse 14. Here's the third promise. He said, I will heal their land. He speaks of Israel, and we see in history the times where Israel repented. 
God healed their land. We could apply that to the United States of America. We need healing, don't we? We need healing of the divisions. We need healing of all the turmoil in our nation. The only thing that can heal is the touch of God. Uh, I think about a family. A family can uh, be healed. There's no home so far gone, but what God's power cannot restore that home. Uh, no marriage so out of tune, but what the power of God uh, cannot restore that. If we're willing for God to do that, God can do that. Uh, years ago, there was a woman who came to my wife and I, uh, sought counseling, and she'd been counseled to go through a divorce, and she wanted to know, is there another way? Are there any answers? And, and we shared just simply biblical principles, and she began to follow those biblical principles, and she humbled herself and called out to the Lord, and it was within a couple of weeks, her husband comes to me and says, can you tell me what you told my wife? And he bowed his knee to Jesus Christ, and we saw God put together a home. God can do that. There's no end to what God can do if God's people are willing. God can send revival and heal a church. Never before has there been a greater opportunity. Valley Bible Baptist Church, uh, you can be a shining light and give hope in a dark world, not fear, world filled with fear. Uh, we can believe truth and not lies, and we can offer deliverance and not bondage, and uh, that comes as God's people know the walk with God. As an individual, you can have revival. You can have healing. You can know the Lord. You can have joy. Listen, God has come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. It is exciting to be a Christian. It's exciting to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know that. You can have that. You can know God's will for your life, and you can live in that will if you're willing to just bow the knee to Jesus and surrender it all to Him. If my people by my name. The problem shows the need of revival. When God's people are in disobedience, there are consequences. God chastens His people. The people of revival, it begins with God's people, those that know Him personally. The path of revival, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. And the promise of revival, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Does your heart cry out for revival? You can know it if you want it. Every head bowed.